Hey, I'm Pastor Dave Ferguson. Welcome to Crosswalk Chattanooga's Weekend Teaching Podcast. We're glad you're with us. Good morning once again, Crosswalk. So glad that you are here. Welcome to our family who full-time, this is our place for any guests or friends part of a community. You might be here all all alone and you're just kind of working your way in. You are welcome here. We're so glad that you are here. This, you might not know that we, Crosswalk, are a part of a global network of churches, Crosswalk Churches. So we're in the in-between between the series we just finished and the series we'll start this next week. I want to, I want you to know about it. It's called Unbroken. And both Patty McCoy, who is one, is the lead pastor. I don't know is the lead pastor at Crosswalk Portland, really um, helped make this series come together really well. Um, as Pastor Tim and myself and Pastor Patty were working through the series and series guides, he spent a lot of time on that. But there are a couple of mental health professionals who also participated in the series guides. Our own Pastor Richie Priest wrote one of the weeks. And uh, I just want you to know about it. it. It's a series as we investigate and take a look at The combination of the kinds of things we experience, the stress, the anxiety, the depression sometimes. Look, in this room, there could be somebody right now who is questioning whether they should go on to tomorrow. And you might wonder, does the Bible speak to this at all? You should know that some of the people who have served God best, as told in Scripture, struggled with the same kinds of things we do. And even Jesus himself went through mental anguish. And so we're going to take a look at that in this series, Unbroken. As you go into the Crosswalk app, you will notice that there is in the main page the new series guide that is kind of shown there. Right now, if you click on that, it it will be all stuff from the previous series. So it's, it's actually kind of a dead link. Sort of, until tomorrow, I believe, the new series guide kind of unfolds. And I wanted to point out the item right below it called Sacred Echo, whether you can see that well or not. Um, Pastor Tim, Pastor Patty, and myself, as we've been dialoguing and talking, we're shifting to a place where for for Crosswalk Global, we're moving to a teaching team where all three of our pastors on that list are interacting and creating content and sometimes on video, that sort of thing. And we just thought, you know what? We're going to create a podcast that's actually the three of us talking about our thinking and interactions about the subject the week after we've preached about it on the sermon. So you get a little bit of an inside It's kind of like us just talking together, and so you can kind of get a little sense of what that is if you want a little bit more as you go on. And again, that right now is a dead link. That will start the week after next Sabbath, which is um, the Unbroken launch. We just came out of a series, so this is what we call a campus day, and we're going to talk about some things specific to us here. But we just came out of the Elemental Season 2 series, if you're a guest here. What we were dealing with there in Season 1, this real permission from scripture to analyze, to take a look at, to even pull apart our faith and have doubts and maybe even find some things that we, we, you know, that's doesn't fit the same way anymore. I don't know that there would be any of us that go unchanged as we develop spiritually. But then season two is about reconstruction and finding the building blocks of faith to really strongly consider to have as a part of what we're doing. And we admitted that the task of reconstruction or building our faith, that's actually an individual task. That's up to us as individuals to build. And so you get to choose, I get to choose, as we go through this kind of reconstruction process. Now, I was thinking about that, and what we would talk about today, and I was remembering, 
years and years and years ago, the very first time that this happened to me, I, I received an invitation. I, I mean, it was amazing. It came in the mail. Uh, it included a two-night stay at this resort in the Poconos. Uh-huh. Cool. So I went. I also had a, there was a, like, I was going to receive one of three gifts. And, you know, it was awesome. You know, there was like $5,000. There was some other, I think it was a car. Or, or a, a large screen TV. And I'm thinking, well, I don't know. What $5,000 sounds like the smallest one of those things. Well, I don't know back in that day. So, yeah, let's go. Let's try this out. What I didn't realize is that I was walking into a situation. You know it. Most adults here understand that I'm, I'm going to a place. They're going to give me a night in, in a hotel, but they're going, to, then they're going to use up as much of the next day as they can to try to talk me into a timeshare. Have you, ever, have you ever engaged in something thinking it was one thing only to discover it's a whole other situation? I thought this was a party. Why are there order forms? Can I make it out of here alive? Right? And that can be true of our spiritual communities too, right? As, as we're coming out of that elemental reconstruction piece, I, th- I thought, you know what? Maybe we'll take a second because as this community, as it has grown up, has thoughtfully, prayerfully made commitments that may be one of the reasons why you love being here, but you didn't know it was a commitment. You didn't know it was a thing that's been actually verbalized, prayed over. This is a part of the fabric of who we are. And it feels the most honest thing to actually admit that and share some of those things with you. Here are some core values, some elemental crosswalkness. It might, again, be the very reason you're interested in being here and you didn't even know it. These are, these again, have been prayed over. I want to share three core values with you. Think about them for a second. And then I invite you to kind of play your way through the kinds of experiences you've had here. And you might realize now, oh, that's actually, I see that playing out in that kind of way. Here's what they are. The first is belonging. Three core values. The first is belonging. To really understand what we're talking about here, we want to say it this way. You are loved and welcome right now. As you are, no exception, no waiting, no you got to get cleaned up, you got to do something else, you got to say these words first. You are welcome here, now, and always. Jesus was radically inclusive, so come on in. Radically, wherever Jesus went, he elevated the outcast, the lesser then. And he went where other people refused to go and welcomed those, touched those that others wanted no part of. So it is our example in Jesus. We want this to be a place of belonging. And so we care about the kinds of things that communicate and that behave and even our attitudes in ways that say, you're in the right place. We're glad you're here. The second core value, we use the word momentum. We use the word momentum, and you'll have to kind of 
unpack what that could possibly mean, but we'll say it this way. We like loving through action more than just talking about it. We hope you'll get challenged, inspired, and engaged momentum. We, when you, when you walk out of here, you're going to see above the doors next steps. We believe God is calling us to spiritual momentum, to inviting you to a place of, we don't know what it is that's next, but that there is a next. And we invite you to consider what is next. For us, we are constantly asking ourselves, what is the momentum God is inviting us into next? And then, then experience. The word experience we'll use, and we'll say it this way, church isn't just a place. It's a full body, sensory experience. We hope you feel and do church while you're here and in the kind of way you can't help but walk into the workplace with a bit of it on you. We hope that you come in here and you can feel the bass. You can smell the lattes. You get bumped into by a rambunctious child. That's what we hope for you. That you feel what it is like to live in faith besides someone else who's doing the same. This is not about gathering information nearly so much as living out a life of belonging that invites God to speak to you about the momentum he has in store for you in a way that is a full life experience. So it felt honest to tell you those things because if you, if you kind of think your way around the experiences you might have here, you're going to see the connections. You're going to understand a little bit of why. Sometimes it's expensive to care about those kinds of things. But you should know, these are kind of non-negotiables of who we intend to be together. I, I want you to know this, in part because you're here and you're, you're interested and probably you've been resonating with some of these very kinds of things. And so we move on thinking about this and I want to say to you, every time you show up to Crosswalk, intentionally, Crosswalk is an invitation. It is an invitation to belong, an invitation to find spiritual momentum. It's an invitation to experience the movement and the heartbeat of God. So I was thinking about that, and I decided, you know what, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually consider some the, what, elemental crosswalkness. So the leadership team, if you weren't here for the first service, you've not, you've not heard this yet. But what I've done is over the last five years-ish, we've been in conversation together. I've been watching you. I've been experiencing life with you. And now I'm here and over this. So I've kind of captured little snippets. These are my words, my thoughts. And I'm just test driving them a little bit as we talk further. Because we've been saying things like, you know what, on the 23rd, we're going to have a family meeting. If you're a full-time member of this family, we would love for you to come because we're going to talk vision. We're going to pray together. What does it even mean? I think we don't want to bait and switch you into becoming a full-time family member without understanding what it's about. And so I was thinking about this based on what I've observed and what I've felt and what I've longed for. And I want to share it with you. Things that I'm going to propose just might be elemental to crosswalk. In the way of seven commitments... That if, if I say, you know, earlier, as you see right over here, there's somewhat cold water in that tank. 
Uh, and a young man, Tommy Willemson, over time decided, you know what, I want to make two statements. My first statement is, I'm, I'm all in for Jesus. Fully submitted, fully committed, and uh, yeah, put me under, bring me back up. Let me do this publicly, I want to say it out loud. And the second statement he wanted to make is, I know it's dangerous for me to walk even with Jesus alone. And I've been checking out this crosswalk family. I want to be a part of this family. It was a beautiful, beautiful time. And as we talk this kind of way, it makes some sense to think about what that would even mean. Because I don't want to be tricky about that. So I want to share with you what I think probably are seven commitments that come out of who we are. And think about it. You decide. I'm going to put it in language for me. Commitments that I think God is calling me to for Crosswalk. So consider this. The first category, two different commitments, I'm going to put under the idea of home. That there is a calling to home. And the first commitment is worship. That this, if I'm, if I'm saying this is my full-time family, then, then, then I want to be counted on to, to, to participate in worship. I want to be here for worship. That this is a place that submits in worship to the almighty creator, God and King. I show up for this community in corporate worship. And probably I'm going to identify a specific service because I want to know and I want to be known. I want to be missed if I don't, if something happens. So I want to learn some names. I want to see faces. I want to know when you're here for the first time so I can welcome you and learn your name. And I'd like to I'd like to just experience what it's like, to feel the comfort. I put it this way, of taking my coat off and staying a while. Because this is home. The second commitment under the idea of home is a commitment that says, I understand, and the Bible talks about this in ways that sometimes we might not even fully grasp. Often in Scripture, in the New Testament, there's this little phrase, one another. You ought to ought do this for one another. You ought to do this with one another. This can only happen with one another. And almost always those one another statements are not, if you think about it, in a place like this where everybody's facing one person. Almost all those one another statements are about being in life together in smaller groups, in smaller settings. And we just honestly have a commitment here to invite you to a possible momentum next step of being involved in a small group. Today, as you leave and you go through by next steps, our small group leader, Maddie, would be happy to talk to you about it. You don't have to make a commitment. You just talk. Ask some questions. How does this work? What, what goes on? Let me hear more. But let's just be honest. This is not a safe world to go alone. We invite you. It might be that you take advantage of tomorrow's Titans game men's group. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> or maybe it's Vespers coming up for our CW ladies here in a few weeks. There are a bunch of different ways to engage in smaller groups where you are able to be known and to know. You have to be around somebody, look them in the eye, know them enough so that they would actually realize you know, how are you doing? Because it seems like something's changed. What's up? And that doesn't happen in this kind of environment. And even the deepest spiritual growth, it just doesn't happen 
where you sit there and I speak to you and you nod occasionally, or maybe a good amen, it really, it develops best when you get to ask questions and I get to learn from you and we admit some moments where we need to think about that more. Home. I, when we're saying this is my family, what we're saying is this is my home. In worship, in small groups. The second kind of category is a category of investment. The, the idea that God has given me something to contribute and that I'm not just going someplace so that I can kind of receive something, that, that kind of hits a barrier wall. What God has told us clearly is that we have to allow what he's giving us to pass through us for us to be able to hold even more. And so the first investment is the investment of service. And we, we believe strongly we ought to have ample opportunities to get involved in serving our grander community. Some of those individuals who, who have needs that are not even familiar to me. But also to serve the needs of this family of faith right here because individuals are coming here and learning about Jesus sometimes for the very first time based on what we're about and what we're doing. So I contribute my talents and my energies to serve the mission of Crosswalk because it is the mission of God, I believe. And I have an ongoing conversation with myself regarding this idea. What's my big thing for him today or for this season or for this year at this time? What's my big contribution? What, what are you calling out from me? I just want to suggest to you, I believe that we're a community of faith that wants to embrace a notion that rather than giving God our leftovers, we give to him first. I promise you. You will have more for the workplace if you give to God first your best energies. You will have more for your family if you give to God first. So what's your big thing? That's why you can't get out of here without passing by a next steps thing because maybe your next piece of momentum is to say, yeah, I've been, I've checked it out long enough. I actually want to be involved. What is needed around here? Is there something that actually dovetails well with what I feel passionate about, interested in, I would like to do? And by the way, we've got a variety of, of needs, right? Every once in a while, we'll stand up and we'll say, you know what? It's, we, our, our kids, we love our children and we want them to know Jesus. And we have more needs there because it's a growing, it's, it's amazing. We could use help. There could be some other place that just uniquely fits who you are. The second area almost always is going to come up in a situation like this, but I'd like to frame it specifically. I believe God has given us a special gift, and that is to participate. Do you know, (laughs) some of you would know the name Warren Buffett, others of you wouldn't, but he's a really old dude who has an awful lot of money. So here's this cool thing. He doesn't know me. Let's pretend he did. And he said, Dave, tell you what, you and I are going to buy a piece of property together. Well, I know what that means. If I do put in this little bit, he's got everything that's needed. Yes, count me in. Yes, please. And that's what's going on here. God owns everything. And what I do when I say, yeah, I would like to, I would like to be an investor beside you. <laughs> please. It's an amazing thing God does in and for me. But he's up to stuff. Can you imagine the little boy 
who gives his loaves of fish and bread to Jesus and they feed 5,000 to 15,000 individuals. The conversation between him and his mom later that night when he brings back more food than he left the house with. And she's wondering what happened. And little Johnny says, well, Jesus and I fed 15,000 people. That's what's going on here. I get to partner with the maker of all things. So I know God can multiply, multiply my financial gifts, whether they're small or large, depending on who's looking at it. And when given from the heart, something happens. And I prayerfully am deciding, how can I put my shoulder up under the weight of financial obligation that this community has? And this community knows about finance a little bit. I mean, we're in this building because of the miraculous leading of God financially. It's crazy. And it's easy then to start being filled with doubt because this means we have more expenses. And by the way, this service on occasion, we don't have chairs for people. And we have over 100 children and we don't know how we're going to accommodate them. And we are serving like 150 cups of craft latte in a spot that has no running water and no electricity. You know what's going on here, God? What do you want to do? He's up his stuff. And he says to me, tell you what, you be you, Dave. I'll be something bigger than Warren Buffett. You partner with me, and we're going to do something that you get to be along for this incredible ride. So that's the second point of investment. And then there's this, and it might make you uncomfortable to hear, but I want to call you to leadership. Look, the Gospel Commission is a call to actually step up and influence the world around us, the core element of leadership. And I've got to wonder, as I, as I actually acknowledge that this is a leadership calling, I've got to regularly wonder what comfort zone God is calling me to step over and out of to say, yes, I will lead. Let me tell you, we talked about small groups. I would love it if everybody here decided, yeah, I'd like to be in a small group. But you know what the problem is? I'm not sure we have enough leaders for the next 10 who want to be involved. And we've done everything we can think of to try to make that easy. We've got a, uh, a, a, an event coming up on the 30th of September at 1.30 in the afternoon where Pastor Richie and myself are going to do a leadership training thing. You don't have to be sold that you can even lead, but you just want to come and learn and consider, oh, we would love that. We need people who will step up and say, no, I'm not just here as a passenger along for the ride. And students, by the way, this does not somehow exclude you. We need you. We need your leadership. We need your thought leadership. Oh, I'm going to promise you, because I've spent my life around college students. Something happens to old men when college students partner. I have more energy than is otherwise natural. And I'm able to think about things differently. We need you stepping up and stepping out and saying, you know, I don't even know how this is going to work, but I'm going to, I'm going to, yep, here we go. Let's go. Do you know this? In our over 100, usually children over here, everything stops at 8th grade. We don't have a youth group. I'm thinking about that. Do you know why? Leaders. We have young people that fit that category. We need leaders. I'm going to tell you what. Sometimes it, ca- it, it, it requires somebody like me speaking boldly about this. Between services, I had three different people say, you know what, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure, I, I'm, it's, but I want to talk about it. And again, 
God blesses what we give to him first rather than last. The final category I want to just point out and just think about for a second is the category of, I would call, mindset. If you'd like to be a participant here on a deeper level than just attending and observing, which I think is God's plan for most all of us here, we should probably be honest and open about a couple of mindset issues that are important here that I think may be one of the reasons why you feel called to come here, but we haven't necessarily said it out loud. The first mindset issue is it has a little to do with a spiritual philosophy. I'm going to say it this way. I embrace a Jesus-forward focus. That's not even Jesus-centric, where everything can find a string attached across a wall map that looks like a serial killer to somehow Jesus is there. No, no. This is not just somehow connected. It's you're going to run into Jesus first. You're going to brush his arm on the way to the parking lot. You can't find a way in and out without Jesus. This is that we're, look, there are all sorts of things that are true in scripture and are not as important as Jesus. And we're committed that you and I will never show up here and somehow miss Jesus. I'm also, philosophically, this is a big deal. I am... I'm committed to an acceptance of people who don't think exactly like me. What will it mean in this coming year to be a place where a Republican and a Democrat and a person who tends to disagree with both can sit side by side in the same row, arms raised in praise of the creator of all things? maybe it would be evidence that Jesus is real. When we show an ability to love beyond our question marks and our strong opinions. I'll also say this. It's easy to start being most interested in how all of this meets my needs, but I want to say it. I personally am committed to a selflessly global approach to the goodness of what I find in Crosswalk. It's not by an accident that we are a part of a network of churches that care about the same kinds of things, and sometimes I'll be leveraging those very talents and time and energies and finance for something bigger than just Chattanooga. And we're going to stay connected. You know, it's easy to think just about here until it is your child, your parent, your brother, your sister who leaves and moves somewhere that is a spiritual desert. And suddenly you start wondering, why, why isn't there more like what I've gotten to have? Well, that's a commitment that we are about. And finally, finally, this mindset of an invitational instinct. I can't tell you how much joy it fills me with when every week somebody, multiple people are coming up going, hey, I want you to meet my new friend. Or I want, to, I want you to meet my brother. He's here for the first time. Just, he was willing. I don't know how that all works always. You get them, smuggle them into a car and the next thing you know they're here. And you say, well, there's coffee. But I... I 
I am committed not to hold on so tightly to what I love that I wouldn't be willing to share it. And in fact, I would have a mindset interested in others getting to know the goodness that I've found. Say it this way. I'm overjoyed to have found this community and I look forward to inviting a friend to join me. I have developed confidence in this community that I can bring anyone here and know that you will honor my trust by treating this guest with love, acceptance, and the spirit of Jesus. A ton of patience. That I could know that as we make our way to the parking lot, they would say, well, I was, on, I, was, I was not suspecting this would go this way. That was a little surprising. I, they meet every week, right? I might come again. I'd like to be here for what happens next. Just felt like it'd be fair. As we're talking about things like the call, and look, this is an invitational community, elemental to who we are, is that you be invited further, deeper, to more. I, I want to make a commitment to you, though. You'll never feel guilty for being in a place where you say, I can't yet. I don't, I'm, it's not, I'm, I need time. Don't, don't push. You'll never have to ask us not to push. We'll always invite. But this is a place for you to feel safe wherever you are in this conversation. As we close, I'd like to take you to a story, one of my favorites, Favorite, favorite, favorite stories. It's in Mark chapter 2. So you know it well, possibly. Maybe you're hearing it for the first time. It's pretty incredible. First of all, it starts out in this context that things are bubbling up in the life of Jesus. In the prior chapter, what has happened is Jesus has gone through towns. And in fact, the Bible says every single person who was sick in that town was healed. Some of those people can't get there on their own. Jesus stays in a spot and he can't even move. People keep bringing sick people. It also says every single demon-possessed person was healed. The demons were cast out. I don't know how all that goes. Sounds like a transportation situation. I'm not sure if the kind of call went out. Okay, so we need a, we need a driver for the demon possession bus. Anybody, anybody have their CDL? Uh, you know, um, yeah, I don't know. I'd prefer they got there on their own, or maybe I should say that in the plural, however that works. But Jesus, the Bible says, healed everybody, cast out every demon. He'd leave town, and everyone was changed and different. So you can imagine, this is a bubbling cauldron of excitement and interest and concern. By the way, when good things happen for the cause of Christ, spiritual leaders will often express concern. This isn't the way I thought it was going to go. Not sure we can put a stamp of approval on this because I wasn't asked first. This didn't happen to be my idea, this Jesus, Jesus. And so we hit the story in the first verse of Mark chapter 1. A few days later, later than what? Later than all that stuff I was talking about was happening. So now people are just interested, going crazy, making arrangements, taking trips to be near. So when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. Oh, this, I'm just telling you, in terms of the spiritual conversation, there is nothing like when you sense Jesus is home with you. It goes on to say, so many gathered there, 
in this particular house Jesus was at, so many gathered there that there was no room left, not even outside the door. He preached the word to them. So it's like coffee line times a billion. This, is, this place is just absolutely jam-packed. There are people all over the place there. You can't even get near the house. It is, isn't it fascinating how often it's people who claim to have come to see Jesus who can be an obstacle for people to come and see Jesus? Well, verse 3 says, some men came, bringing to him this paralytic guy, you know about this, carried by four of them. There's a lot to ask here that I don't know the background to. I don't know if this young man is paralyzed because of a childhood accident, maybe diving into a pool of water without checking the depth first. Maybe he was born with a, a condition that was paralyzed. Maybe this occurred over time, a genetic uh, deterioration. We don't, we don't know. What we do know is that these four individuals seem like they know him, seem like they're a friend. Not just like he yells out into the street and strangers come in and go, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing a lot about this Jesus. Can you take me? No. It's very possible that these four show up and say, we're going. Uh, we're going to dress you now, <laughs> and uh, yeah, sure, argue all you want, but we're going. Unable to really object, we're not sure. But they show up, and they can't get in. Now, I don't know whose idea it is, but most friends, a group of five, there's one that's a particular lunatic. He says, hey, 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 I got an idea. Tell you what, what if, <laughs> what if we just climb onto the roof? cut a hole and just drop you in there. And I, I can hear, I don't know, uh, but I can hear the paralyzed dude there going, no, 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 no. The other three are going, yeah, I like it. I like it. I like it a lot. Let's do this. We're going to need to tie you onto this thing because we're, you know, it's okay. We're, we're in good shape. Next thing you know, they're cutting a hole through the roof. And can you imagine? Because here's what this paralyzed dude can see. He can hear the din of the crowd. Maybe Jesus is speaking and he's being lower. And all you can see is his ridiculous friends. As he's lowered, some men came bringing him. But since they could not get to Jesus because of the crowd they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, lowered the mat, the paralyzed man was lying on it. And I just want to say to you, you can tell by the story how it goes and how it ends. Jesus loves holes in the roof. Jesus loves it when we say, we've got, we've got to get in front of Jesus. It is a beautiful thing when non-traditional methods are taken to create new doorways. When entry points and holes in the roof occur like crosswalk. Some people, this is, not, this is not the way you get in. This is not the way you do this. This is not how you dress. Who said you could listen to... I just want to tell you, Jesus loves every attempt to break through the barriers and be with him. The Bible goes on to say, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, here's the interesting thing. We don't know for sure this young man wanted to even go there in the first place. 
if he did want to go there, probably it's because of what he'd been hearing about the healing, and he showed up for healing. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. I don't know why you came here today. It might be because of the person sitting next to you, that they were relentless. Could be you've been here once and you enjoy, love the music. Maybe you like soft chairs, a cup of latte. Maybe you're just in the habit. No matter why you came today, Jesus knows what you really need. And he showed up with it. You may think you need to walk. And Jesus knows you need to be forgiven. That you need to be whole. That you need to be all right. That you need to feel a spiritual heartbeat again because it's gone dead. Jesus knows what you need. Oh, by the way, This dude's going to end up running out of that building, healed. But Jesus comes and draws near. He loves how we got into this place through the roof. And he says, I got what you need, no matter what it is. But don't miss the language of this verse. When Jesus saw their faith, You know, honestly, I don't get it, except it shows up a number of times in Scripture and often out of the mouth of Jesus. That there is something that happens when we have spiritual community that apparently isn't even available if I'm on my own. Could have said when he saw his faith, I don't know if this means he was faithless, he might be a part of the there. But what Jesus is interested in us knowing is there's something about it being them and not just him. And that's true for you today. That's true right here in the seat you sit. That Jesus would say, as our faces appear before him, lowered through the roof. This is not a safe world in which you live. And it's not safe to go alone. Even when you're committed to him, he says, go find a family of faith. Because there are days you won't be able to walk there on your own. And you're going to need to be carried There are moments you're not going to know even what you need. And you need to be around people who walk to Jesus regularly. Oh, you may not be ready for this kind of conversation, and you are welcome here no matter, but you're always going to be invited to that which Jesus came here to give you. And it's clear. He means to give you not just eternity, not just forgiveness, but community and a family and a home. So, Jesus sees. I I can't tell you how inspiring it is when when I've bumped into the crackling faith that you have. And if you've felt doubt, if you've felt a struggle, if you've felt like, I just can't show up to another one of these things. I invite you instead to come home, to be a part of a family. And take advantage of what Jesus even says when he says it this way. For where two or three come together in my name, I am with them. Jesus could have said that differently. I don't get what he's saying here hardly. He could have said, when, whenever you come to me, then I am with them. 
That would be true. But he felt a need to say there's something that happens when more than one of you band together that cannot happen when you're alone. This is important. So yes, today, we say it again. Showing up here, it's always an invitation. Hopefully you can't accidentally get out of here without brushing past someone, without learning a name or saying hello to somebody you know. That you, you notice that there's an invitation for spiritual momentum in your life and to be a part of a family. And if you, by chance, have felt something stir in your heart and you're asking yourself, well, how do I even become, I, I get what you're talking about. I'd love to be a part of this family. I think, Alyssa, I was wondering, are there still cards out on that table? Because they're good. A couple more cards. Just grab a card or take a picture of it, find my cell phone and text me and say, hey, I'd love to talk about this more. I had a number of people, I can't tell you the joy in my heart. I had a number of people talk to me between services saying, I, I, we, I, I need to talk. I saw what happened in the water and it just, it stirred something in me. If something is stirring in you, then let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Thank you for joining us for this teaching. Consider hitting the subscribe button to stay tuned for next week. If you'd like to support Crosswalk Chattanooga, go to crosswalkvillage.com slash Chattanooga and click the Give button at the far right of the ribbon at the top. Notice the campus drop-down menu and select Chattanooga. And if you'd like to come and worship with us on a Saturday morning, we would love that. When you do, please say hi to me. I'd love to learn your name.